sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. This is going to be a tough play. What's going on, Cubs fans? I am Sean Sears, and you are listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. The Cubs dropped two or three against the Twins this weekend as the offense fails to score more than three runs in their three-game set with Minnesota. We'll recap the rough weekend in the first segment and then preview the Pirate series starting Monday here in the second segment, plus more on David Ross's decision to bench Kyle Schwarber in the third inning of Sunday's game. And we'll get a few updates on injuries to the bullpen. Not so great news there, unfortunately. But today's show is brought to you in partnership with CubsInsider.com. Head to Cubs Insider to read about how Jed Hoyer soft pedals Braylon Marquez promotion hype and is not closing the door on a John Lester return after 2020. That and more at CubsInsider.com, official partner of Lockdown Cubs. You can get Locked On Cubs in whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast Locked On Cubs. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Cubs. You can follow us, follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So here in this first segment, we're talking about the Cubs dropping two or three against the Twins. The first game was the only fun game. Um, the Cubs win that game one to nothing. Another great start from Kyle Hendricks, who went eight innings, allowed just three hits, had 10 strikeouts and just one walk, lowered his year rate at 2.93 on the season. Great outing for Kyle Hendricks, and he got support early on in this game. It was a Wilson Contreras single to center field in the first inning off of Bridge Hill after Rizzo and Bryant walked. Rizzo stole second, and then Bryant walked. Contreras on a 1-1 count, hit a single in the center field. Rizzo scored on the play. Bryant moved up to third. But then Kyle Schwarber bounced into a fielder's choice. They were able to get Bryant out at third. Contreras moves up to second. Schwarber safe at first. Baez struck out. Jason Hayward then popped out to shortstop, or technically third base, in the shortstop third base hole. And that was it. Unfortunately, the Cubs had runners in scoring position who just couldn't do much there. Um, And that was really the only true scoring chance the Cubs had. They just couldn't put much together against Rich Hill, who who did a great job on the mound. He won, I believe, seven innings, three hits, one earned run, two walks, and five strikeouts. His ERA is 3.27 on the year. They just couldn't get anything together. A lot of the Cubs counts, too, like just 2-0, missing, hitting ground balls. Like Chris Bryant had a 2-0 count, I think, at the bottom of the sixth. Um, Jason Hayward, 2-2 count, hits a liner right at someone. Cameron Maben immediately falls it up with a pop-out. So six pitches and two outs immediately. And then Jason Kipnis... One and two count, he flies out on just four pitches as well. So a lot of low counts, and that seemed to be the theme throughout this game, unfortunately. The Cubs did threaten kind of, sort of, in the bottom of the eighth of that Friday game a little bit. Uh, Chris Bryant walked, and then Contreras walked, and then Ilmaro Vargas pinch hit for Billy Hamilton, and he struck out. 
swinging, unfortunately. So that was the one real chance they had again in this game. The Cubs doesn't matter. Jeremy Jeffers does walk Byron Buxton in the top of the ninth, but he's able to get a ground ball double play from Josh Donaldson. He then walks Nelson Cruz, a really good at bat for Nelson Cruz too. Nelson Cruz too. Eight pitches, um, was a competitive at bat. Uh, he was just being careful not to let Nelson Cruz tie this game up after seeing the Cubs' offense go pretty anemically bad for for about eight innings. And so uh, he's able. He does walk Nelson Cruz. Mitch Kepler comes in a pinch run for Cruz, but it doesn't matter because he's able to get. Eddie Rosario to strike out swinging Cubs win one, nothing. That's the lone win from this game or from the series. Saturday's game did not go very well for the Cubs. Unfortunately, Alec Mills on the mound for the Cubs coming in after his no hitter um, doesn't follow it up with an awful performance, but it wasn't great either. Six innings allowed six hits four earned runs a walk and seven strikeouts, two home runs on the day. Mills wasn't great. On the other hand, Michael Pineda, for whatever reason, the Cubs pushed up his pitch count early in this game, but couldn't really do anything with it, unfortunately. Five innings, four hits, one earned run, a strikeout. Uh, He lasted just like the fifth inning, 92 pitches. They were doing their due diligence to an extent. They were getting some good counts. It just felt like all weekend the Cubs were missing balls in the zone ahead of counts or not driving those pitches, popping them up a lot. It was very strange, but Pineda allows or just one run in five innings of work. Tyler Duffy gets a hold. He goes one inning of work, a strikeout. Matt Weisler, two innings of work, six strikeouts. He struck out every batter he faced in the two innings of work, which was just disappointing. The Cubs had nine strikeouts on the day in that Saturday game. Then Tyler Clippert comes in one hit or one inning, no hits, one strikeout. Um, it's not great. It just wasn't great. Um, and the scoring started immediately. Eddie Rosario, after Mills was able to get uh, Lamonte Wade Jr. and Byron Buxton to strike out, he then allows a home run on a, the first pitch he throws to Eddie Rosario. He crushes it to left center field, or excuse me, center right field. Uh, Twins up 1-0 after Mills strikes out Miguel Sano to end that inning. Cubs go 1-2-3 against Pineda. Uh, and then it's the bottom of the second. They put together their best scoring chance of the game here. Contreras is hit by a pitch on a 3-2 count. Kyle Schwarber lines to sh- to right field, but Contreras is able to tag up on the play. Uh, so he moves up to second on the play. Javier Baez then pops out in a 2-1 count. Super frustrating. Jason Hayward singles to the shortstop through that hole they were shifting on him on the right side he gets a ball to slip by Contreras moves up to third and then David Bodie sneaks a ball between Donaldson and the third base line and third base itself he shoots it down the left field side Contreras scores Hayward goes up to third the Cubs tie the game 1-1 it stays that way for a while up until the top of the six when Alec Mills allows a single to Eddie Rosario Jason Cave scores on the play Um, he came in to pinch run for Alex Avila uh, who walked to start this inning and then scores on the single from Rosario. So the Twins take the lead again. Um, And then the top of the seventh is when they really bust this thing open. Alec Mills allows a solo shot to Miguel Sano. He then, Max Kepler hits a ground rule double into left center. Mills is then replaced by Jas Osich. So runner runner on second, no outs. Jorge Polanco hits a weak single to third base. He's able to get to first without a throw really beats the throw marvin gonzalez then hit by a pitch so base is loaded donaldson comes in to pinch hit and he bounces into a fielder's choice Baez tries to make the throw at home and he had him he beat the throw beat him but it was a low throw Contreras unable to scoop the play 
Everyone's safe on the play. The Twins now up 4-1. to one. Dwayne Underwood comes in to pinch hit for Jazz Osich. He allows a single to Mitch Garver. Uh, Polanco scores on the play, and so does Marwan Gonzalez. And then a single from Byron Buxton again off of Dwayne Underwood, who got a double play line out. Great play there. Um, does score Josh Donaldson, but Buxton out at second to end the inning. Twins now up 7-1, to one, though, and they do the damage. Josh Donaldson hits a home run off of Dan Winkler in the top of the ninth. The Cubs go down 1-2-3 against Tyler Clippard. They lose 8-1. to one. So it's the Sunday matchup, and this is an interesting game. It's... Uh, it's you Darvish versus Jose Barrios on the mound. And Darvish, it wasn't a bad outing. He just did not have any support from the offensive group here. Jose Barrios, uh, six innings, four hits, no earned runs, a walk, and four strikeouts. Not necessarily dominant, just 85 pitches, but uh, the Cubs just did not do much. Darvish, six innings, nine hits, four earned runs, one walk, and nine strikeouts uh, on 99 pitches. It just wasn't his best outing. Um, that being said, the margin of error was just just way too thin for the, the the Cubs to really feel like they were giving Darvish anything, and he really just made a couple mistakes throughout this game. Uh, the scoring starts in the first inning, though, when uh, Max Kepler hit a single, and then Josh Donaldson walked. Eddie Rosario singles, scores Kepler. Donaldson moves up to third, but... Uh, you Darvish is able to get three strikeouts. He gets Sano, Polanco, and Garver to strike out, despite Lamont, Wade Jr. hitting a single and no run score. The Twins take a one nothing lead. Uh, top of the second, the the Twins give up another. Or the Twins get another run here. Jake Cave hits a triple down the line, and this is where things get kind of weird because Kyle Schwarber is pulled after this play. The ball goes down the line. Sounds like Schwarber and Ross had a conversation shortly after he's pulled and Cameron Mabin plays left field from the third inning on, uh, which was strange to see. Despite that, though, Jake Cave hits the triple. Max Kepler then hits a ground out to second base. Cave scores on the play. The Twins now up 2-0. Interesting things coming ha- happening from there. Uh, essentially, no offense throughout the game. The Cubs did not threaten Barrios pretty much at all. Uh, Max Kepler hit a home run into right field with Marwin Gonzalez, who just got on base, giving up a double from Darvish. The first real hard contact he's given up. Ryan Tapera comes in to replace Darvish. He strikes out Donaldson and Sano to end the inning. And then gets a ground out from Rosario in between that. Uh, Cubs can't do anything. Tyler or Trevor May uh, strikes out Hayward and Baez and get Contreras to pop out in the bottom of the seventh. Uh, Jose Martinez comes in and strikes out. He was called up. We'll talk about that move here in the second segment. Ian Happ walks, and then Anthony Rizzo strikes out. Chris Bryant lines out. Just wasn't a great, great day here for the Cubs offense in general for the most part. Andrew Chafin comes in for his Cub debut. He gets two ground outs from Cave and Gonzalez. Max Kepler hits a double off left uh, into left field off of Chafin. Uh, Josh Donaldson's intentionally walked, and then they're able to get a ground out from Rosario. So no damage done there. Uh, the Cubs kind of sort of threatened, I guess you could kind of say, in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, it starts with two strikeouts from Cameron Mabin and Wilson Contreras. Hayward's hit by a pitch. Um, actually, Contreras got on. Actually, he struck out, but it was a pass ball. So Contreras moved up to first. And then Hayward hit by a pitch. So Contreras and Hayward on second and first. Javier Baez pops up on an 0-1 count. That just can't happen. Victor Carantini walks. So with two outs, Nico Horner comes up to the plate. He... Uh, had just come in as a defensive replacement to Jose Martinez and plays second. He strikes out swinging on a 1-2 count to end this game. The Cubs lose to the Twins 4-0, and they lose this series 2-1. Um, 
it was bad. Obviously, you only score three runs in these entire game and the entire series. The Cubs have only scored three runs in their last 33 innings. Isn't that great? In the last two weeks, the Cubs are hitting 161 with a 254 on base percentage, a 304 slugging. They've got a 52 weighted runs creation plus. They're striking out over 33% of the time, walking just 11% of the time. And that's where some of these runs are coming from. Uh, they've got a 48.6% ground ball rate a 14.3% line drive rate, and a 34.3% hard contact rate. Those are all just bad. Uh, you don't want to have a ground ball rate near 50%. A line drive rate under 15% is never great. Uh, hard contact rate, average league is around like 38 39%. The Cubs just aren't hitting the ball with authority, and they really haven't all year in general. There's not a, been a ton of home runs coming from this group, obviously, but um, this, these are all just giant red flags. Um, what's even more frustrating is when you look at the numbers and you, you start diving in a little bit more, Chris Bryant, um, who looked like he might be finally turning a corner a little bit, has been the Cubs' third best hitter throughout this process, and he's been absolutely terrible, especially against right-handed hitters. So it doesn't make much sense to have him at the top of this lineup right now if he's going to continue to struggle. Um, it, it's just it, it's just been hard to watch, and I, I think we kind of forgot about some of these issues because the Cubs were scoring the runs they needed, but we're consistently seeing them score just the runs they need to tie this game up or give themselves a one-run lead, but leaving two or three runs on the base pass. And it feels like as well, too, that the Cubs don't get consecutive hits unless there's two outs. And I don't know if that's an approach that they're having differently in those moments or if it's just luck, it's just what's happening, but it feels like the Cubs string across these hits with two outs and then just can't do anything with these runners on base you, you just can't rely on two out scoring all the time you have to string these hits together collectively without going down two two outs in an inning it's just makes it a lot easier for the other team to leverage the situation in their favor or pitch to certain guys that they want and you know the cubs need to make something happen and they aren't really doing that it feels like they're to an extent taking what what the teams are giving them, you know, trying to do what they can with pitches. We've seen guys like Wilson Contreras have some success over the last couple of weeks during that span, um, but ultimately it's it, it feels like one guy is getting on, the other guy behind him isn't picking him up, and that's the Cubs' whole offensive approach is, you know, let the other guy do their job, rely on them, work as a team to get these runs, and it's just not happening. So uh, it, it's really going to take a hot streak from someone like Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. One of those guys needs to step up. Kyle Schwarber, Wilson Contreras is doing his part to an extent, but he feels like he's working through a lot of things right now as well. He even talked about after he drove him the one run on Friday um, with an interview with Marquis after the game saying, you know, he's just trying not to do too much, put the ball in play, make things happen in that regard. But he's not trying to hit the ball with authority because he wasn't doing that very well to start the season. So he's made this adjustment to just try and be an effective offensive player. And it feels like maybe the rest of this Cubs lineup are is trying to do that, but you know, when it, when it comes down to it, it, there's no real answer to this. The Cubs are just missing pitches. They shouldn't um, attacking pitches. They shouldn't and, and, and not taking advantage of account leverage in moments. And it's, it's frustrating because at the beginning of the season, we saw the Cubs not getting a lot of fastballs and they're still not getting a ton, but Chris Bryant, especially is missing a lot of high fastballs. Kyle Schwarber has as well. Ian Happ has swung through a lot. There's a lot of pitches that the Cubs typically drive, especially in a two Oh count. Very rarely do we see a guy like Chris Bryant pop out in a 2-0 count. I don't know. I don't know what, what exactly the issue is, but it, it was a frustrating week to watch this team just kind of have the same issues they've had throughout the season just really be pointed out to him against the team that, like the Twins, who's, who's going to be in the postseason, but realistically isn't that much better talent-wise than the Cubs. 
They sure look like it this weekend, though. So we'll dive more into the offensive numbers here in the second segment, as well as preview this series with the Pirates that the Cubs desperately need here with a three and a half game lead in the Central. We'll talk about that and more here in the second segment. Can the Guinness Book of World Records give 2020 the world's greatest delay of game? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. But Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gives you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only hire what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posting, which means more qualified candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And they're improved now and more delicious than ever with six new flavors to add to their already 18 amazing flavors being caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry baraka, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, Apple Almond Crisp, some delicious flavors to go along with their coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, mint brownies, actually my favorite, double chocolate, orange, toffee, coconut, peanut butter brownie, all those flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, easy, soft to chew, some of the best tasting bars I've had, but on top of it, Built Bar is healthy. It's great for health conscious people like myself who are trying to lose weight or you know work out and still try and keep eating something good for you, but that is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's great for keto diets. Um, it's a ton of just great options you can have while you're working out, while you're trying to eat a little bit healthier. Those are things Built Bar is built for. But I think what one of my favorites is the cookies and cream. It's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, just four grams of sugar and four grams of net carb. I'm not very uh, a super health conscious person myself. I like cookies and cream. I like stuff that tastes good, but I'm definitely trying to look for stuff to snack on throughout the day. Built Bar's been great because obviously first off, they sent me some bars immediately when they first started partnering with Locked On and they're delicious, but it's nice to have something that I can eat on and chew throughout the day that isn't like, you know, goldfish, something bad for me, pop, sugar, all this stuff that I'm probably, you know, constantly distracted with my refrigerator being directly behind me at my desk in my apartment. Having Built Bar here has helped me honestly lose a little bit of weight while I've been in quarantine. And it's honestly encouraged me to try and work out a little bit more. But right now, Built Bar has reset their promo code and is now offering a free cooler with purchase. So while supplies last, there's only about a week or so left in this. So obviously place your order soon, but go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKDOWN for $10 off at BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bar you will ever have. All right, Cubs at Pirates. They kick off this three-game set on Monday with a 6.05 start with John Lester on the mound facing JT Brubaker. Uh, the Cubs have faced Brubaker earlier this season. I believe it was 
back in early September on the third. He actually picked up the win in five innings of work. He allowed seven hits, but only two earned or two runs, one of them earned, one walk and five strikeouts in 86 pitches. Brubaker in his last four starts has only gone to the fifth inning, just slightly above it against the White Sox in Cincinnati in his two most recent starts. He's picked up the loss in both of those. He allowed seven runs to the White Sox, just one run against Cincinnati. Um, on the season, he's one and two with a 4.79 ERA. He's got some stuff. He's got 36 strikeouts on the year to 14 walks. Brubaker's not a guy that should get the Cubs fits. The Cubs fits, and honestly, the the seven hits is encouraging. They just need to start stringing these hits together. They need to push across these runs. So, hopefully, that changes. This Pittsburgh team is exactly what the Cubs need right now as a tune-up. They're one and nine in their last ten games, five and fifteen in their last twenty. They are currently 15 and 38. They sit 16 games back out of the division. This team is obviously not good. The Cubs need to take these three and take this series, hopefully take all three games. They could probably clinch the division if they do so and pray that that White Sox series doesn't need to be more meaningful than it should be. Obviously the White Sox have clinched, but they're trying to get better seeding if they can. They're currently the second seed that the Rays have overseeded them right now for the top record in the American league. So the Cubs need to need to win this series. Uh, just for the sanity of, of, of us as fans, um, they need to win this series. <laughs> John Lester on the mound. He's 2-2 two and two with a 4.91 ERA, 38 strikeouts compared to just three walks. Um, in his last start, he received a no decision, two consecutive no decisions actually, but two good outings against Milwaukee and Cleveland. In his most recent start against Cleveland, just won five innings, four hits, two earned runs, a walk, and a strikeout. One home run allowed in just 62 pitches. A quick hook from Ross. Um, wouldn't be surprised if we see that as well against Milwaukee was probably one of his best starts of the year. He ends up getting a no decision, six hits, three earned runs or three walks, no earned runs, uh, three hits, no earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts, sorry, eight strikeouts, a high for him on the season, uh, 97 pitches looked really good. The Cubs just didn't score any runs in that series. So, uh, in that game, at least. So hopefully Lester can continue to ride this, uh, this bout of, of good starts. We've seen him produce here. Um, the Cubs' bullpen is relatively rested, so that's a good plus, but this is a Pittsburgh team that John Lester should dominate. They're swinging at everything. They made Hugh Darvish look incredible <laughs> when they faced him a couple weeks ago, so hopefully things will change here. Um, in Lester's last start against Pittsburgh, he received a no decision, five and a third, eight hits, five earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts, no home runs, though on 93 pits, pitches. Pittsburgh cannot pick him apart again. This should be a team that he beats. Um, so let's hope that this happens. But the way the offense has looked right now, it's nothing is a guarantee at the moment. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Jose Martinez was called back from South Bend. He obviously had a plate appearance yesterday. Um, left-handed pitcher Josh Osich was optioned back down or optioned down to South Bend to make room for him. Roan Wick heads to the 10-day IL. Unfortunately, he had an MRI that Ross described as pretty bad, meaning that the 10-day IL would probably be a little bit longer of a stay for Roan Wick. So he's off dealing with that oblique strain. So um, more than likely, the Cubs are going to go the rest of the way without Wick. Or, you know, if they get him back, it'll be a little bit later because obviously the postseason starts next week. So um, that's not good. <laughs> that's uh that's not a, not what you wanted to hear especially when the offense isn't scoring you're losing one of your best arms it's really been great at not giving up runs on the season wick had a 1.08 era and a 33 percent strikeout rate opponents were hitting ahead of 506 ops he had a really strong 2015 campaign and came into this year proving it wasn't a fluke and it was looking like wick was going to be a really strong piece of the back end of this bullpen now the cubs will have to kind of figure out how 
that works. Uh, Dwayne Underwood's probably a guy that'll have to step up. Andrew Chafin is coming back into this, uh, coming back to this team now, and should be a reliable left-handed reliever. Something the Cubs just haven't had for a bit. Um, Kimbrell has looked really encouraging, and so has Jeremy Jeffress. Pedro Strope was thought to be maybe sort of an option, but unfortunately, he's dealing with a hip injury that effectively ended his 2020 season. So the Cubs gave it a go. Strope's not going to be part of this team, unfortunately. So that sucks. Uh, as we talked about here early on, it looked like Chris Bryant might be on the verge of breaking out of this awful spout of games that he's had and it just doesn't look like that's going to be happening now chris bryan on the season is batting 197 with a 285 on base percentage and a 303 slugging he's got a 588 ops that's not what you see from bryant he's currently got 39 strikeouts only javier Baez, or excuse me javier Baez and ian hap have more strikeouts than him Baez at 69 hap at 57 schwarber at 61 i just take that back uh chris bryant not as many strikeouts as he thought but still nearly 40 strikeouts for him in 31 games that's not what you see from him only 11 walks too uh he's only got five rbis on the season it's hard to hard to believe that ian happ and david Bodie currently lead this team in the rbi 28 and 26 this is not good this is this is not this is, none of this is good <laughs> none of this is good you have to hope for someone to break out and it looked like it might be chris bryant coming into the last week or so he was getting on base finding ways to score despite not getting hits it's not happening but someone in this core has to figure things out and hopefully a good amount of them do because this cubs offense obviously the talent is there pitching wise we're seeing it and offensively we've seen them break out they just cannot consistently drive this ball right now things have to change maybe a quick series against pittsburgh gets the confidence going you have to hope so and then one final thought here before we wrap up the show kind of a crazy idea here but Theo Epstein apparently running to the Mets. Uh, it sounds like the Mets are on the verge of getting rid of their current GM, Brody Van Wagen, um, who I believe is only in his second year as the GM. But Joel Sherman pointed out that with new ownership coming in to uh, the Mets, they might want to consider trying a new GM and that someone like Theo Epstein would be someone that would be seen as an ideal fit in Queens. Um, I don't know. It's hard to figure out where the Cubs would, you know, put themselves in this situation because obviously Theo Epstein's contract is running out here in a couple of years. And this team is trending in a direction that, that, that could lead them to rebuilding. You, you hope that's not the case. It feels like everything that they, the Cubs have been doing is trying to avoid having to do a full rebuild. And even this year kind of tease the idea of doing like a, a retool necessarily, but obviously with the pandemic and everything going on, the Cubs just don't have the financial ability to keep a lot of the guys they have on this roster. So maybe Theo Epstein wants to leave the mess for someone else and go try and fix things in New York. I'm not sure. That doesn't feel like the vibe Epstein's given ever. Um, feels like he's a guy that wants to stick around in Chicago and, 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 and get things working Again, I don't think he wants to just have this core, have this World Series and be done. I think he wants to make the Cubs perennial, you know, perennial playoff contenders. And he's done just that, but I think he wants to see it beyond just this core is, is the vibe I've taken from that. But who knows? You know, grass could always be greener. Maybe he's not happy in the situation. Who knows? But something to, something to think about, I guess. <laughs> But that will do it here for today's show. Remember to get this show every day. You need to subscribe to Locked On Cubs and whatever podcast app you use, whether it's Google, Apple, Twitter, App, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. And then make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Thanks for tuning in to your guys' daily Cubs podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubs.